Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level. Stay tuned for that post and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Well, Aaron, welcome to the show. What's popping? I'm a little bit disappointed you're not wearing your bikini. Well, who's to say what I've got on under the shirt, you know? Fair enough. I guess I'll just have to use my imagination. I mean, you don't have to use your imagination. You just go to my Instagram. There we go. There we go. Cool. Well, what uh, what do you have going on these days? It's been a little while since we chatted. Yeah, man. Um, let's see. I mean, the biggest thing right now is I'm getting ready to go on tour in like two weeks. So I'm just getting all my ducks in a row for that. And who, who's on that tour? I think you're coming through Seattle in October, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. You better be there. Um, Absolutely. Me, Swaco, and Cowboy. It's going to be a good, good tour. Yeah. And you have an album in the works as well? Yes. I'm finally, I'm done writing my album. It's kind of just in that last little tinker stage, you know, get the final final features, get the uh, final little bits in place. But the album's written and it sounds fucking awesome. It's my uh, it's definitely my best piece of work yet. So I'm really excited about that. Cool. Well, it's interesting that you're saying like it's a tinker kind of thing because you strike me as someone that kind of like knocks them out pretty quickly. Yeah, um, you, you're you're right. You know, Um I think just, I don't know. I have this idea about an album. I think we kind of talked about it last time because I haven't done an album yet. I've just done right. a bunch of EPs. So this is my debut album. So I, I think I have like a, a little bit more pressure on myself to just make sure that it like really stands the test of time. And like songwriting wise, I feel like it's really there. It really, everything is there. It's just taken, there's been a, a couple months of us just like going over production stuff and doing some last little mix things and, you know, just getting feature vocals that kind of like, that's the tinkering stage to me. Once like I've done my work and the rest is just like, let's take a step back and make sure this all meshes together and makes sense and right. sequencing all that shit, you know? Well, what does it sound like? Sounds like a little motherfucking Aaron, bro. It <laughs> sounds like good ass pop rock, you know? The streets of Goshen, Indiana. Exactly. I'm, I'm uh, preaching the gospel of the streets of Goshen, Indiana. Yeah. But I think I said this last time we talked to that one of the big influences on the album was going to be Green Day, which is 
proved to be true. There's like a little bit of like some Foo Fighters energy in there. There's some some blur. There's like a lot of like 90s and 2000s alternative and and pop rock. A little bit less emo than I've done before, but there's there's still a there's still a few songs in there that that like fit into that category. But I was really just trying to take it to the next level sonically and lyrically and challenge myself to be, you know, right from the perspective of a fucking 28 year old in L.A. You know, it's fucking I, I think a lot of artists, you know, once you start music in your early 20s or in your late teens, but you can't always be singing about all that shit. You know, there, there gets right. a point where it's like, all right, enough of these like bullshit songs. Let's write some real songs. So there's a lot of real records on there. I'm excited. What does real mean to you? Honest, you know reflective of of my actual life you know the good and the bad you know going through that that stuff and like the parts that aren't so glamorous and just and like turning turning real life into you know artwork you've been pretty successful over the past couple years do you ever worry that that will like take an edge off your music if that makes sense how how uh would it i don't even know oh well it does for some people you know it's sort of like they like when money becomes less of a driving factor stuff like that or money or like success you know like just people get less hungry and you know they're sometimes they just kind of lose the edge get comfortable you know yeah get comfortable I would say, you know, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished, but I'm in no way, shape or form comfortable, you know, stopping right now. I I am comfortable. I do have my own studio now in my own house, and it is nice that I am afforded luxuries, but I'm not comfortable with stopping. So, like, I think more than ever with this album, I think I'm more driven than I've ever been, and I'm more prepared than I've ever been, and I'm more that really excites me that like, okay, I've taken a hundred swings at the bat. So this is my 101st and now I'm more prepared than I've ever been. And, and I know how to set my business up so that when things do work out, everything's set in place. I've dealt with trying things out and figuring out what works. And, and I think now more than ever, you know, I'm just excited to roll out an album. I, I think this is the first album too, where I haven't like the first project where I haven't texted my manager being like, this is the day we're putting it out. Like, just make that work. And he's like, oh, fuck, I got to scramble. <laughs> I'm like, let's finish the music. Let's finish the business. Let's get everything perfect. And then let's start. So I, I think also I, I don't feel the pressure of time as much as I used to. I used to be like, oh, fuck, I have to put it out right now. And and now, now that I've gotten the perspective of like, you know, it's it's better to wait and make things perfect than it is to force something or rush it out. Um, not that any of my projects seem rushed, but I think definitely I definitely had a tendency to, to literally just like hit my manager, like be like projects done. It's got to come out this day. Right. Make him, you know, both of us be scrambling, trying to get everything in place. Well, especially like with the rollout, it's it sucks when you see something not saying this has happened with your stuff, but when there's something where the music is awesome but the rollout was not awesome and you know it kind of just doesn't get the attention it deserves 100% 100% and i'm more aware of that now than ever especially with the caliber of records that i've been lucky enough to be a part of and i've seen how important that is when you're saying like you see how kind of rollout is done right at a high level what are some of the things you're talking about? I would definitely say in immediate recent memory, like the Demi album is the way they rolled that out and the way yep. that they like took their time to 
to get all the pieces in place and build the story back up. Because even though everyone yep. knows Demi, they had to build her as Rock Demi is back. And, and you know, it takes a lot of small things to happen in a row to get to the point where now the album drops and everyone's talking about it. And you wrote on a couple songs on that, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, so... So that's the kind of rollout that you want to have. I mean, not necessarily the, the exact same thing, but like not T for T, but that's just an example. I mean, I yeah, because because I'm not going to name drop specific ones, but I've also worked on projects where uh, we work so hard on the music and the music's phenomenal. And then the label rushes it out or it comes out as a you know, they just don't put the they don't match our energy. Right. So, you know, I'm an independent artist and I I the way I, I work is I, I piece together, I cherry pick my team, you know, when I release a project and I pick different people to work on different things. And I need, I'm not in a rush right now because I know that as the right people hear the music, I will find the people that will match my energy as far as whatever all the roles are going to be, whether it's music videos or marketing or radio, whatever the fuck I'm, I feel so comfortable and confident in, with the material that I know that the rest of the pieces are going to fall into place without me having to like force it. So right now I'm literally just playing the demo, not the demos, playing the finished, the 99% finished album for people and getting the right team in place. And, and I just feel really great about the music. So like the rest, the rest, if it takes me a year to put that team together, it won't. But, you know, if it takes me, I, I'm not as stressed about that because I when right when you have a timeless project, it doesn't have to come out tomorrow, you know? Right, right. Well, that's an interesting thing about you as compared to a lot of people. Like you seem like a real student of the craft of like songwriting and making music, which it might sound weird to say, but a lot of people kind of aren't. A lot of people are into being like an artist. Yeah. But they're not into like doing the work of being an artist, if that makes sense. Yeah. But there's two sides of that. You know, the the work of being an artist can be the touring and press and all the shit outside of the studio. Right. But I definitely am. My favorite part about music is being in the studio and crafting the song. So that but I also realize that, you know, you, you do need the, the other side. You need the person that's downed fucking tour however many months of the year and down to do all the radio promo and down to wake up at 6 a.m um so it is a it is a balance but but yeah i I mean you would be right to to say that like the art of creating the song is definitely what i've my strongest suit you know you have you have done some touring but you're not like a road dog that's out there all the time how do you feel about that yeah um well before the pandemic i was i would pretty much do a u.s national tour every year which i felt like wasn't falling behind by any means it wasn't i wasn't doing as much as some of the other guys or the other artists in my scene but because i have such a healthy business in the studio i can really justify spending you know more time in the studio versus on the road but coming out of this album you know i'm definitely going to treat it like it's artist mode so you know if if that leads me into a year and a half of nonstop touring, fucking so be it, you know? It kind of feels to me like I'll, I'll put you in the quote unquote emo rap genre, although I think that's dumb for lots of reasons, but I'll, I'll sort of put you in that bucket. And it feels like that genre has become a lot more rock lately as far as like the way people operate and what fans and artists do and think and expect. And part of that is touring. So I kind of feel like 
I kind of feel like the people who are really going to rise there, I think touring is going to be a big part of that. If nothing else, it's just because that's how you build credibility as like an artist. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and even when I'm like looking at other projects that I work on, um, as far as like younger artists, one of the things I look at is like, are they, if, if I can get them to come and make you know, an amazing album or an amazing project or even an amazing single, are they the type of artist that has what it takes to go take that on the road and tour it so the wheels fall off, you know? Um, And so a lot of the artists that that I've been working with recently are artists that I see that in, that I think, okay, if they just had a little bit of help and guidance in the studio to make bigger records for them to play, this whole momentum that they've built on the road is going to like exponentially speed up. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, touring is important. Um, you know, you'd have to fucking, I, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me. If touring turns into a business that competes with my business in the studio, you'll probably see me on the road more, but right now I'm just kind of like, doing me and chasing the bag and the bag is in the studio. So, so how how do you kind of look at balancing that in the future then between your music versus, you know, working with other people? Well, here's a good example with touring. Like I think traditionally bands in the scene would make an album and then they would tour off it for nine months or a year or two years. And then they'd go back and make another album. And now you see artists that aren't touring the whole time, make a project and then they just keep making music. And I don't think anyone should stop making music, but if you're not in an album cycle, even if you are in an album cycle, I don't see the need or feel the need to write a hundred songs, 400 songs, a thousand songs. I think if I have my team, you know, this is from when it comes to my project or anyone else's project that I'm working on. If we have the team in place that, that, all the pieces of the puzzle are there. Like we really only need to be making like 20, maybe 25 songs to make an album. And assume that some of those won't make the final like one or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, there's a project, there's projects I'm working on right now that like maybe only two or three songs out of the batch of songs are made ended up getting cut from the batch before it gets, before, you know, the full package is created. So that's all to say, if I stayed in the studio, I would have too much, way too much time to just be making Lil Aaron music. Right. So it makes sense for me to focus a month or two of my time in the studio on making a project for myself and then spend the rest of my time working on other people's projects. And and I should say, just for anybody who doesn't know, you work on a lot of like big shit. You've done like, you know, the Demi thing. You did a Selena Gomez song, right? Yep. Um, you know, Kim Petras. Uh, I know there's a ton of other shit. What am I forgetting? Lizzo, Black Bear. Jaden, MGK, Modson, Swaco, fucking top tier shit. So it is a real potential concern that, you know, if, you know, Lizzo calls and says, hey, do you want to do another song? But you're on the road. Maybe you don't get that gig. Yeah. You know, and there is a little bit of that studio FOMO with going on the road. But the way the fucking the way L.A. works is, bro, like you you could be gone for a year. And you, if you come back and you got it, like pe- people are moving, are moving at such a fast pace that nobody's going to even notice that you were gone. You know, like <laughs> it's, true, it's true. You're not that important. Nobody's it's like that it's, important. it's no, no offense to anyone. Yeah. But it's like if like some of my best friends, we both live in L.A. and I don't see them for six months anyway. You know, it's like that's just the nature of the town. And like everyone's traveling. Everyone's got their own shit. So like being gone for six weeks and coming back fresh and like 
not having burnt out a bunch of, you know, songwriting sessions. I mean, maybe actually being gone for a while might make people, you know, want to work with me. Fuck yeah. Well, I mean, I'd hope we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, as far as balancing it, it's never been difficult for me because I feel like I make an amount of music that I want to make for a project. And then I'm like, that's it. You know, so I, I, it's not like I have to keep, even though I said I'm tinkering on the mixing stage and stuff like that, but that's like, that's not like spending my whole day looking at a session. That's like right. listening to some demos and texting my boy, like, Hey, what if we made this guitar louder? Like shit like that. Like, so being able to write every day and create every day and be in the studio, but not be over extending myself on my artist project actually makes it better because I spent eight months in the studio working on other people's projects, working with the best people in the business on songwriting and producing and all this stuff. It's only going to be sharpening my knife for when I go decide to make the next Lil Aaron project. Right. So I, th I think especially with this album, you're going to hear a very distinct step up in songwriting and production that was and this is the first I mean, actually, no, I produced Year of the Dog with Dan. But then this album I produced with Dan, my guitarist, and then our friend Evan Gartner, who's a fucking legend. So, you know, being in the it being in the in the position of producer, having soaked up all the stuff I've soaked up from working in all these other rooms and being refreshed. It's like I, I work with a lot of artists that are writing for themselves every day and then you kind of hit a wall. But when I you know, go a year or six months or eight months working on other, on other people's projects. And then I finally decide, like when I made this album, I got an Airbnb in Big Bear and brought a couple friends, you know, and then I got an Airbnb in Palm Springs and brought a couple friends. So I can very much be like for the next two weeks, I'm only thinking about Lil Aaron music and I have like do your own little writer camp kind of thing. Exactly. And and that's honestly refreshing for me because I get to step out of the craziness and step into my own project and uh but yeah that's all to say the separation part hasn't ever really been difficult people ask me like how do you when you make a song how do you know if it's a little aaron song or not i'm like because it's a little aaron song because i go to write a little aaron song you know i know before the, i write the song if, it, if i'm gonna make a little aaron song that day so right our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. 
But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I heard an interesting thing. I remember, I think it was watching a video, like an interview with like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Taylor Parks. And uh, she was saying that like, it was hard for her sometimes to kind of find her own voice because she's used to writing in so many other people's voices. You know what I mean? Because she writes for a million fucking people. Right. Um, and so maybe the album didn't feel as cohesive as it could have been. And it doesn't seem to be a problem for you. Like you seem to know what your voice is very clearly. If I wanted to truly make rap music or if I wanted to make um, R&B music or if I wanted to make, you know, if I wanted to make something that wasn't what I make, I think it, I might find difficulty because my voice just lends itself to being this music you know it's i think as soon as i put my vocals on a record it sounds a certain way i i i, I think anybody who like grew up learning how to sing emo and pop punk bands has this thing in their voice that they can't get rid of uh-huh. this little like whiny annoying shit right that like it doesn't really work unless you're doing that unless you're unless you're doing a very obvious uh juxtaposition of like whoa this kid's voice that sounds like an emo singer over this production like right. where the the appeal is the juxtaposition but the whole concept is that yeah yeah like uh, i just i haven't had an issue because as soon as i put my vocals on something it sounds like a little aaron record it's just, i i can't hide it so uh, you mentioned that you were kind of uh, being that you're producing a little bit more. Uh, how much are you involved in these sessions? Like, you know, you're typically the uh, a writer. How much are you involved, you know, in the studio during the production process? You know, do you get to, you know, coach or give feedback on the performances or are you just like write it? You're out of there. Um, I would say most times I am. If I'm in the room with an artist, I'm very involved with the vocal production and, you know, coaching them along the way of like, oh, let's get another take like this or let's, um, you know, th- this time sing it like you have marbles in your mouth, whatever the fuck, you know, just like, yeah, um, 
helping whatever the vocalist needs, whether it's encouragement or if it's tough love, you know, it's a different, it's different for every artist, but like whatever they need to be able to achieve the, um, the best vocal take. Cause at the end of the day, I just want the best fucking song made. I don't, I don't want to just put my stamp on something and walk away and let anybody else like, Oh, uh, it seems like that's weird where someone's like, Oh, well this song was originally for this artist. And then we gave it to this other artist that sounds totally different. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it works out, but that would be weird to me as a writer to do that. Cause it's like, Oh, that's not at all how I, thought of it but okay yeah and i think a lot of times songwriters do kind of get stripped of that final say which is uh you know i personally don't agree with um and there's definitely excuse me there's definitely been records that i've worked on where i was like damn i wish they would have um you know let me hear the final demo before they send it to mastering right you know i i I, it's not like it's not like i want anything except for to also make them the best record ever um but I would say that has a lot of that's a big part of the reason why I've been shifting more into the producer role, because a producer is going to inherently be songwriting like nine out of ten producers are also songwriting. And even if you're not, you're you're usually getting credited as a songwriter. But in the producer role, you do get a little bit more of that uh, hands on experience and and taking things all the way across the finish line and and um having those notes of like oh let's try this or let's try this and and you know whether or not that comes from being a control freak or whatever it's it to me it's just like as long as we all have this common goal of making the best song ever and we all trust each other like let's all put our heads together and make the best thing ever you know that's that's if everybody has a common goal i think you know the songwriters should be allowed that input especially when the song is sometimes songs are just started with a couple songwriters writing an idea and then it gets sent to a producer and then it gets sent to an artist where it's like i think you know we should loop back and check in on those people that have the initial spark like hey is this right is this what you guys were imagining you know um it doesn't mean you have to do what they say but you know might be good to at least get their input but if their idea was good enough to fucking get all these people excited right let's ask their opinion too you know so you said something interesting earlier that um it feels like the uh, sort of in the quality versus quantity kind of debate where it sounds like you're focusing more on quality and recording a small number recording and releasing a relatively small number of songs whereas it feels like the past few years we've been in sort of a you know, almost like the shit post era of music where people are putting out, you know, five albums a year. And that works because, you know, the logic is, well, people's attention span is so short today. And if they haven't heard anything new from you in two weeks, then, you know, they've forgotten all about you. Do you think that that is like a fundamental shift or is this just something that's like your personal approach? Well, I I would say let's not forget, you know, three, four years ago when I was dropping songs every couple weeks and was like remixing emo songs and putting trap drums under them like i i think i did a lot of that and i think as an artist you got to do what it takes in the beginning to Mm. get get people's attention and then once you have their attention you have you should be delicate with it you know got it so maybe if it's a little bit different like i guess where i'm coming from is like you hear these people that have nothing out there. Like I've been working on my EP for three years. I just want it to be perfect. I think if you're starting out, you should really do the spaghetti, throw spaghetti at the wall method and just see what sticks, you know? Um, I've, I, you know, I, I was pretty lucky that I think pretty early on, I found a sound that was exciting to people on the internet. 
and I just kind of honed in on that. Um, but even still, I, I was still doing those little like whatever, you know, if TikTok was around when I really studied Gucci Belt, it would be like a TikTok song. Right. Right. So so like I did that that thing, that TikTok thing of like, all right, let's do the gimmicky thing to get people's attention and get them excited and get more people's eyes. But I think at a certain point, you're like, OK, I have people's attention. Let me make the best piece of art that I can to serve them. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe people don't give a fuck anymore. Um, but I think people are going to be really excited about this project. I think they'll care. Your star is you haven't put out music in a bit, but your star has definitely risen. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people that because of some of my old music, maybe, you know, kind of have written it off as being like, oh, it's this thing. Like, I think they're going to be very surprised that they're like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, we'll see. I might I might be eating my words in a few months, but I, I I genuinely think that people are like people in the rock space are going to be impressed with this project. Well, I I can say for sure that they are thinking of you differently than they were a couple years ago. Like when I first talked about you in a few videos, like you know I think people in the rock world you know aren't you now? Well, I think I would say that uh, a lot of it is is thanks to guys like you and the guys over at. Um, What's that? The YouTube, other YouTube channels at Rockfeed? Oh yeah, Rockfeed. Yeah. Yep. They're they're always like, you know, I think you both when you posted about the Demi album, and you were both like, and Lil Aaron worked on it, and like stuff like that, where it's like, oh, people are like seeing my name attached to other things. I think people see that enough times, and they'll be like, all right, what the fuck is up with this guy? Like, right. I I counted him out because he had a Lil in his name, but I'm gonna have to <laughs> click play. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, last question. Uh, a larger question, because you know you're you're one of these people who whose opinion I respect a lot on these sort of trend questions, and it kind of tees up maybe what you're talking about with your album. I was talking about earlier on stream. I feel like there's less innovation right now in the rock world than there has been in a while because a lot of people, and this is just my personal opinion, and you know I would love to see if you disagree or agree. Feels like a lot of the people that were doing interesting stuff three, four, or five years ago have now done stuff that are have now shifted to doing stuff that's more traditional rock that a lot of it sounds like something from 2002 uh as opposed to a few years ago when they were doing something more like fresh and different maybe because they want the approval of rock people uh and it works um that is what makes rock people receptive to it but to me personally it's a little bit disappointing to see because i like stuff that's fresh and new and different um what are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say that the approach is already going to be fresh and new and different. Um, and I would even say that the way that rock albums are made today it, versus five years ago, like me trying to get into uh, sessions with a rock band five years ago, they'd be like, fuck no, we don't use yeah. co-writers. Yeah, that's true. And now you see bands left and right being like, okay, like, Let's try this out. And 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 I think collaborating in, in any sense of the term is going to be at least experimenting with collaboration is always going to be productive. So I think you have bands that are receptive to a more collaborative process, which is going to make better music, period. And as a whole, obviously, sometimes you work with a writer that sucks and you make a bad song. But I think that these solo artists that have ha that have um, approached music making in a very non-traditional way 
as far as especially when you're talking about rock bands you know they're not sitting there four dudes in a garage writing a song right right and the studio process is completely different it's not like demo out all your songs before you go to the studio you know it's now like okay let's be in the studio let's collaborate let's have different minds come together you see you see guitarists that are dudes from bands um acting as guitarists and producers in the studio for the solo artists so you're immediately having this the producer's um taste mixed with the artist taste mixed with this guitarist taste so i i think it is actually exciting to apply the the uh production process of a traditional rock album but to a new age artist you know and i mean even just technology things that you can do inside of the computer that you couldn't do 10 15 20 years ago the process is going to be different is going to be in many ways expedited you know so i i think there is it's almost like the opportunity to make music through the through the process of a rapper or a bedroom pop artist but right. making a, a rock album and i think that's where you see the um you know, I, I don't think that something needs to be groundbreaking production for it to be amazing production. And I think that's the beauty of, of rock and roll is that we fucking have we've all had guitar like guitars have been around. Amps have been around like drums have been around. But like when you really unlock it and you make something fucking tight, it sounds great. And any any other person could take their guitar and their amp and make, you know, make something on their own with that. It's like it doesn't take all these like extra fucking razzle dazzle it's just right. like sitting down making a great song on a guitar and i think you see a lot i think songwriting in rock music i think you see it getting a lot better well i think the rock bands have gotten better i guess my point is more like i think there are solo artists that have gotten worse in my opinion and i don't want to name anyone specific because i don't want to bum anyone out especially because you know we have lots of mutual friends that might be some of the people I'm talking about, but there are people who are doing stuff that like three or four years ago, I was like, okay, five years ago, I was like, this is pretty fucking cool and wild and innovative. And now it's like, oh, this sounds like, you know, fill in the blank artist, rock artist from 2002. I agree. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of like the lot, it's like the nostalgia lottery. Like, yeah, oh, no exactly. nobody's flipped this yet. Let's try that. Yes. Yes. And see if, see if that strikes a thing. Yes. You know, I think you're going to have that no matter what, you know, I think, Every scene comes and goes and is cycles. And yep. even our even our favorite rock bands that we look at, we're really just trying to be their favorite rock bands. Yeah. So like I, I think we look back at a scene from like the early 2000s or the 80s or the 90s and we think of like the best few and we think of their yeah. best songs and we don't see all their counterparts who were like, oh, I think I found the formula. You just got to rip off this band and say <laughs> these lyrics. I think that was happening back then, too. I don't think that's like. This is, the, this is the first time for sure for sure like everyone remembers green day because they're a great band but do you remember the 550 shitty green days no of course not because they were shitty exactly and there's i'm sure there was bands back then that were like oh if you take like these like surf punk drums and then you do this yeah and then and then like oh we just got to say like your mom jokes on stage and it's right. gonna work remember when every band was trying to be fucking yeah blink on yeah. stage and then the only band that like I think that's just a natural thing. I think a lot of these solo artists are really breaking boundaries. Like you look at like Casper, you look at Kenny Hoopla, you look at like, I mean, some of this new smart death music is fucking insane. That's a shameless plug. Cause that's my fucking boy. Is this stuff that's not out yet? Yeah. He's got, he's got some crazy music on the way. I'm excited. Lotus got some crazy music on the way, but yeah, I mean, 
there's going to be bad music and there's going to be kids that were opportunists and got it right once and aren't going to be able to get it right again. I'm having trouble not naming names, you know, so it's probably probably not being very specific, but text it to me. I, I will. Yeah. And I don't mean to be rude to any of these people because I, I like and respect a lot of them. And I, I like I think their music is good, but it feels like a lot of these people are learning the rules in a way that's actually making them less creative, if that makes sense. Because a lot of people that came up on SoundCloud era when they were little kids on drugs, they were just doing the weirdest shit, you know, because they just didn't know or care what the quote unquote rules were. And now they're learning how to do things the right way. Um, and they're making music that's quote unquote better, but it's missing that sort of just wild ignorance. You know what I mean? But I think a lot of that is just getting older and it's hard. It's yes. hard. It's hard to keep that. You know, you got to like really be, you really got to like be focused to keep that, um, you know, that inner, whatever that is, that like creative, boundary breaking person inside of you you know I, I think most people grow out of that at some point right yeah whether or not it takes you know whether or not it's in their 20s or in their fucking 80s it's almost inevitable you can't stay that like sort of wild-eyed 16 year old forever obviously yeah yeah and i think um some people just lose it faster i don't fucking know yeah but i think anybody i think anybody has you know we're, we're in a we're in a place right now with music where anybody new old like everybody has a fucking shot right now and there's the table is complete like it's such a like level playing field you can be fucking sleeping with sirens is on the charts you know what i'm pierce saying the veil again yeah like pierce the veil sleeping with sirens like that kind of shit and like the way that like records from when i was a kid and even before that are blowing up but then at the same time there's like little 15 year old kids blowing up and like i i think nobody's time is over anymore yep. which is which is really inspiring like there's not like a, oh man well you tried and now you're 30 like go yep. get a job maybe you do go to get a job and you don't put out music but like there's still things are i don't know just music is just being discovered at such a rapid rate and spread through the internet that like you're seeing a lot of projects you know three five ten years old blow up so, you know, I don't know exactly know where I was going that with that, but I, I think if somebody does, if it does take somebody an album or two or a project or two to get through a, a rut and then they're going to put out another project that puts them back on the map. I think that's the really encouraging part of music right now is that like you're just one TikTok away. Yeah, I forgot what I heard about about Robin Thicke, but there's something about how like the first two Robin Thicke albums were just like something you know shit wasn't going crazy and then blurred lines came and he's back on top and that's anybody can be that like you can put out a song that goes viral put out two albums that oh it's dying down it's dying down and then you still could have another song in you that like puts you right back on top people don't really care about the the flops when you have when you have the one you know people yep. are very short-term memory when it comes to like the things that didn't work out there they will always remember the things that did work out you know for sure. Cool. Well, I will let you go. Thanks again for joining me. I'm excited to hear the record. And Hell yeah, uh, bro. yeah, keep me posted and I will see you in Seattle for sure. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. Later. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. 
Second thing you can do if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.